The medical information communicated in this podcast is of a general educational nature. If you are feeling unwell, please seek the attention of a medical practitioner. Any advertisements promoted throughout the podcast are not endorsed by the presenter or any of the guests interviewed. Hi there, welcome to MediTalk, a medical podcast talking all things medical in a way that you can understand. You're with Danae. According to Diabetes Australia, 280 Australians develop diabetes every day, which equates to one person every five minutes. In 2017 to 18, approximately 1 million Australian adults had type 2 diabetes. Being overweight does in fact increase your risk of suffering type 2 diabetes. So today I'm going to speak with Dr Armstrong, a bariatric, general and endocrine surgeon, about treating type 2 diabetes with weight loss surgery. How many Australians are diagnosed with type 2 diabetes every year? Well, Danae, it's it's a huge number. It's actually mm. 1.7 million. So 7% wow. of the population of Australia, 23 million at the moment, are diagnosed with diabetes every year. And I was just looking at the Diabetes Australia website, um, your questions before, Yeah. and it's one every five minutes, it turns out. And uh, yeah, 280 a day, 100,000 new cases a year, and most of those, most of those are are all, you know, 80%, 90% of type 2 diabetes. And what's then the difference between, um, some of us might not know, what, what's the difference between a type 2 diabetic patient and a type 1 diabetic patient? Well, it's all about, it's all about insulin. And type 1 diabetics basically have an issue where their body is making antibodies against their pancreas and the pancreas produces insulin from the beta cells there and the purpose of insulin is to drive sugars down in the bloodstream. And if you're a type 1 diabetic, you just don't have enough insulin because your cells have been destroyed and your sugars come up. And then you get all the ramifications of diabetes with kidney failure and eye problems and vascular problems. And uh, you know, it's obviously a, a huge issue and it's generally uh, in younger patients and it's a sort of all or none phenomenon. When it happens, people are on insulin for life. Mm. Um, type 2 diabetes is a bit different. It tends to be in an older population, tends to be in a more overweight or obese group. Uh, and the issue there is that those patients who are overweight have a lot of fat in the body and a lot of fat cells. And those fat cells, they actually stop the insulin from working well at the periphery. They cause what we call insulin resistance. It just means that your pancreas is able to make insulin, but it's just not really getting to where it needs to go, which is to drive sugars into the fat cells. So you have pretty high levels of insulin, but high levels of sugar. And it tends to be a more progressive problem. Same, same issues with diabetes in the end, and all the organs are affected by it but it tends to be in the more overweight population. Okay. So fat cells are certainly not helpful no. for, for insulin is what I'm getting they from that. Not, they are not helpful. And if you, if you are a type 2 diabetic and you lose 5 or 10 kilos with conservative means, diet and exercise, generally you'll get much better control very quickly. Because I would imagine a lot of people by the time they've come to see someone like yourself, they've perhaps tried those things. They've gone to the GP and their GP have said, try and lose some weight. Yeah, they've generally been down that pathway and it's been exhausted. And, and we know, I mean, the evidence is that once you've got a BMI over 35, 40, it's going to be really hard to lose weight. And in fact, we think that only about 2% of people with a BMI over 35 are going to get sustained weight loss at five years with diet and exercise. So most people I see have got a high BMI. They've tried every diet under the sun. Um, there's a few medications out there now that 
that uh, can control your weight for sort of five or maybe possibly 10% uh, weight loss. But really, they're battling an uphill uphill battle mm. uh, with their with their weight and, and issues like diabetes. And is type two diabetes increasing as yeah. as we're unfortunately becoming a more overweight society? Oh, very much so. It's a huge problem. It's the fastest growing chronic disease in the Western world. It's a huge burden. I mean, the statistics from every country are, are terrifying, uh, particularly from the US, where they they have the same issues with. 60% of the population being overweight or obese, but probably more super obese patients. It's a huge burden, you know, billions of dollars worth of cost. At a, at a level to the patients, it's a, you know, it's a progressive, debilitating and difficult to treat disease. Yes. And so then how effective is weight loss then in treating type 2 diabetes? Well, any weight loss is good. So as I was saying, if you lose five or 10 kilos with diet and exercise, that'll be good for your diabetes. But when you're 50, 60, 70, 100 kilos uh, overweight, it's gonna be really hard. And we, we certainly know that surgery works. And people have been doing various types of bariatric or weight loss surgery for 50, 60 years now. Um, uh, in an era when we did open surgery and now laparoscopic surgery, the types of operations have changed. Um, 10, 15 years ago, people were having gastric bands, which even gastric bands were pretty good in terms of weight loss, pretty good in terms of reducing diabetes. That has sort of fallen out of favor, that procedure, due to mechanical problems. Uh, and then we've seen newer operations the last 10 years, like sleeve gastrectomy, very effective for diabetic control, amongst other things as well. We'd expect 80 to 90% of patients to be in remission or not currently having diabetes after that procedure. Uh, there's some newer procedures, a number of gastric bypass procedures, which are a bit more complicated, but they're probably even better for diabetes. Um, they are a bit more radical in many ways. It's effectively involving removing a, uh, or bypassing a segment of small bowels so you don't absorb so much calories, but they're very good for diabetes. So are there then particular bariatric surgery procedures better for diabetics? than non-diabetics? I think you have to go on an individual case, uh, how young the patient is, how overweight they are, and in many ways what the follow-up is going to be. Uh, most people around the world uh, who are having bariatric surgery, about 80% are going to be having sleeve gastrectomy now. And sleeve gastrectomy is a relatively, relatively re reproducible procedure. It effectively involves removing three quarters of the stomach you eat small, you also don't feel so hungry, you get pretty good weight loss. And, uh, and, and it's, it's a relatively safe procedure. I mean, probably about a 1% complication rate uh, and good control of comorbidities. And many patients like that. It's very good for people in regional areas because they don't need too much follow-up. Uh, moving on to more complicated operations like gastric bypass, that's probably better for patients who are a bit older, a higher BMI, if someone has a BMI of 50 plus and they're a diabetic with poor control, they're probably gonna do better with a gastric bypass. But the issue there is they'll need much more follow-up in terms of nutritional support. And in fact, they need lifelong follow-up. Uh, but it's a, it's a pretty solid operation. All these operations though, they have their particular issues. Um, it really depends on the patient preferences and we'll have a long discussion with them about that. Um, yeah, so it's really tailored to the patient. And then what do you say to the critics out there? Because I think weight loss surgery 
can be a little bit controversial, people either who have gone through the procedure and had great success and other people might be old school and think, oh, they shouldn't need to have surgery, they just need to stop eating bad food and exercise. What do you say to that? Because certainly it wouldn't be around if there wasn't a good rationale and, and people weren't actually getting good results and better, better health from it. Yeah, well, I think the evidence is well and truly out there now that this is uh, certainly something that's worth considering for many overweight patients. Uh, 10, 15 years ago, uh, it was a fairly uh, uncommon procedure, uh, certainly in Australia. Um, there were a number of gastric bands being done, but the more, the more significant operations, there were less of them. A lot has changed in the last 10 years. Um, amongst uh, many of the, my diabetic physician colleagues, they were a bit resistant to refer patients for this kind of surgery, uh, but so much has changed. Um, the International Diabetic Federation had a meeting quite a few years ago now, I think it was actually 2011, uh, reviewed all the literature and came to the conclusion that uh, this sort of surgery, bariatric surgery, should be not necessarily recommended, but thought of in the treatment paradigm for type two diabetic patients. And there've been 43 uh, in diabetic bodies around the world that come to the same conclusion. And there've been reviews of 23 long-term studies, basically comparing the best conservative treatment without surgery for diabetes and surgery. And in those papers, it seems that surgery has outperformed uh, the non-surgical methods. The pharmacological yeah. methods, so you mean? diet, exercise, conservative weight loss, uh, control of the other issues like smoking and lipids, and, and there have been multiple new medications for control of diabetes. Most patients I see now are on probably three diabetic medications. By the time they come and see me. By the you. time they come and yeah. see me, yeah. So who makes a good candidate for weight loss surgery and, and perhaps who doesn't? Uh, well, weight loss surgery in general, um, there aren't that many exclusion criteria. Once someone is overweight, we know, as we were saying before, that the, the risks for the future are very high and they're not likely to get sustained weight loss with diet and exercise. Um, and in terms of the youngest patients, well, there are many children around the world who've been operated on. I mean, it is, it's still not a grey area. Personally, mm. in my practice, I don't operate on, on children. Uh, I think they need a lot of extra support and some sort of uh, psychologists and paediatric uh, input. But we know that children do very well and we know that there are many 14-year-old diabetics out there who will be in remission and have a survival benefit and have a healthier life if they have surgery. And the same at the other end of the age spectrum, uh, certainly in the public system in, in, in our state, if you're over 60, you can't have an operation, which is pretty crazy, really, um, because we're providing lots of other operations, cardiac surgery mm. to people in their 80s. Um, in my practice, the oldest patient I've operated on is 73. Um, and I think there's some really good 73-year-olds out there. Uh, yeah. It's very difficult to say, is there an age cutoff? Generally, I'll just come by and see, you know, the patients come and see me and we'll have a discussion about the pros and cons. The only person, I, the only people I wouldn't operate on really uh, is people who've got uncontrolled alcohol dependence or drug dependence and probably um, poorly controlled mental health issues. We've had a lot of patients with mental health issues, but if they've got reasonable control of their depression or whichever other issue they're, they're troubled with, and then we're happy to head down the pathway of surgery because they can usually be back on their medications very quickly afterwards. 
And well, 10 years ago, certainly diabetic physicians were pretty reluctant to refer. And I think I used to be sent the, the most difficult diabetic patients they had. And even those patients did very well. I think it sort of surprised everybody really. Mm. But now it's, it's very much in the thinking of physicians and also in the GP um, s space. Um, very much uh, when diet and exercise is, is, is failing and people are getting um, weight-related comorbidities, hypertension, sleep apnea, diabetes, these sort of things. So the, the GPs are generally thinking and, and referring, at least for a discussion about weight loss surgery, much earlier than they were in the past. Mm. Type 1 diabetic patients wouldn't necessarily get the sort of um, efficacy from weight loss surgery or, or they well, can be treated as well? Well, type 1 diabetics, they're always going to be type 1 diabetics. They're always yeah. going to be on insulin. Um, but the problem that they have often is that they've been on their, di their, di their insulin for a long time. And insulin, we know, contributes to weight gain. So a lot of those patients have put on a lot of weight. They might have a lot of central obesity. And they start to get other problems with their, with their, with their weight gain. And I've had quite a few patients we've operated on who are type 1. And they quite quickly get much better control of their type 1 diabetes and their insulin requirements are reduced. So in theory, their weight gain will be less in the future and they get all the other health benefits of, of their weight loss surgery. That's so true. we do consider it for type 1s as well. Oh, that's good. And then, so does that mean people can actually cure their, through weight loss their diabetes? I think you should never say cure in medicine, yeah. really. I mean, we're going to say, we, the word is remission. Basically, if you lose a heap of weight with a bariatric procedure, you're going to get better control of your diabetes, got a significant chance of being off your medications and being in remission. Some of these operations also work even before you've lost weight. Sleeve gastrectomy, for instance, once they've had their operation, even before they've lost weight, they often have really good control and they're off the meds. And we don't fully understand that, but it's probably because the part of the stomach that we've removed is actually blocking insulin or causing insulin resistance. So when it's gone, they get better insulin sensitivity and, uh, and they get good control early on. But one thing's for sure, if patients were to get weight regain after their operations, which happens, definitely happens, um, they'll get their diabetes back. So we just say remission. Mm -hmm. And then how do you not get regain of weight? What, is, what are some of the um, strategies that you implement as a, as a clinic to help patients not get that weight regain? Well, everybody in the first year will get pretty good weight loss. Um, certainly we know that exercise is very important in the year after your surgery. When you're losing a heap of weight, you want to be losing a lot of fat and not losing too much muscle. If you lose too much muscle, well, your lean muscle mass is your metabolic rate. It's what's going to burn up food in the future. If you lose too much, you're a sitter for weight regain. So we work with an exercise physiologist and we give patients a lot of information about what sort of exercise they should be doing. It's usually a mixture of a muscle building or muscle retention and aerobic type exercise. So resistance training and aerobic. Um, it's very important to work with a clinical psychologist, certainly for young patients and often mm. other patients as well, because if there are any emotional aspects for eating, um, boredom eating, triggers for eating, sweeting eating behavior, that will definitely cause weight regain. And we think, and I think we can pretty much show that if we can reduce those behaviors, there's less chance of, of weight regain. Um, and, and those are the main issues, but it really involves a fair bit of follow-up, um, a fair bit of input and dietary advice. And we, we see pretty good 
weight loss curves. Most people lose weight over a year, plateau for five years. After five years, probably 50% of patients are maintaining their weight, but we see the other 50% putting on a kilo or two a year, mainly through snacking high calories. Mm. And then have you got some sort of who comes to mind of your diabetic patients that you've treated that we can sort of learn through their story about? Oh, that, well, it's, it's so had, many. I mean, I've so just many. got someone in I'm just sending home today, actually. He had his operation on Tuesday and today's Thursday and he's been on diabetic meds in a progressive way for many years. He started off on metformin, which is a fairly simple drug, and he's on a couple of other drugs and ultimately he's ended up on insulin at low dose and he's had his operation and... We haven't recommenced any of his diabetic meds. He's going home this evening. I'll be seeing him next week. He'll be catching up with his diabetic physician. He may end up on one of his medications again in the next few weeks, but hopefully not. And this is sort of what we're seeing. It's really exciting for patients. I mean, they're obviously, especially when they've been on insulin, having to inject every day, mm. they're so happy to be off it. And it's a great thing, really. Yeah, absolutely. And then they start exercising and all those other healthy, yeah. healthier behaviours, perhaps. And that's right. When you lose the first five kilos, apparently it's, uh, every five kilos quadruples the load on your knees. So when you lose five kilos, you feel better in your knees. Mm. When people are losing about 10 kilos, if they've got sleep apnea, they generally sleep better, they snore less, they have better quality sleep, they have more energy in the morning, uh, they have better body image as they lose weight, and the whole thing tends to unwind. I think when you're putting on weight, things tend to snowball out of control. Mm. When you're losing weight, it's the opposite, and it unwinds pretty quickly, and people are generally pretty happy. Yes, and I think people forget also the mental the effect that it has on your mental health when you, you're not able to move as freely and you're not able, you don't maybe feel so comfortable in yourself. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, people feel usually feel a whole lot better very quickly. Um, they're able to do things they hadn't done before. They're able to get out more. Um, they're able to go to the gym, perhaps. They've not felt comfortable in that environment. Um, yes, it's generally very, very positive, and we certainly know that from uh, depression scores tend to improve. Um, a fair number of people are off their, their um, antidepression meds. Um, obviously, depression is a complicated thing, and there's mm. various reasons people are, have depression or are, are medicated, but generally we'd expect it to improve. So with diabetics out there that w might be listening to this uh, interview today, what's some advice that they listen to the interview and they think, I hadn't actually considered weight loss surgery before. What's some sort of advice of where to from here? I think just uh, get as much information as you possibly can. I mean, this is elective surgery. There's no rush. It's a matter of getting as much information as you possibly can. There's a lot of online information. Um, you may have friends and family who've had this kind of surgery. It's always a good idea to sound them out and see see what it was like. Yeah. Um, see your GP is a, a first port of call. Absolutely, and they have a they would have an opinion that would be uh, very important to take that on board as to your suitability. We do see the odd patient who has a pretty low BMI and probably shouldn't be looking at surgery. But I think once you've got a BMI over 35, maybe even 32, 33, if you're diabetic, you're a pretty good candidate for considering surgery. Um, go and see a couple of surgeons if that's what you want to do. Um, mm. Get a few opinions and just take it all on board and then make an informed decision. Yes, because it's lifelong, isn't it? Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the next question in, in regards to 
you know, maybe people think, oh, well, once my diabetes goes away, can it can it be reversed, this sort of surgery? Uh, I, you know, I don't think I've really ever reversed anyone uh, because obesity is a lifelong battle. Mm. Uh, I mean, it really is. Um, people who had gastric bands back in the day, well, they when the bands came out, 90% of those patients put all their weight back on in six months, which is obviously really frustrating for patients. Sleeve gastrectomy, uh, well, that's not really a reversible procedure. Um, but if anything with sleeve gastrectomy is you follow people long enough, there will be some people who have weight regain and they might even need a second operation in, in, their, in their lifetime on occasion. Um, and gastric, gastric bypass, it'd be unlikely that would be reversed, but it's potentially possible to reverse that, yeah. But I think it's all about, as you say, get, get as much information as you can. Yep. And before you make any, any decisions. So how does bariatric surgery affect someone's day-to-day life? You mentioned that perhaps people generally will eat less and... Well, certainly with sleeve, which is the most common operation, what they generally find is they're eating less, they're not so hungry, and also their dietary choices tend to tend to change. They tend to make healthier choices on their own volition, really. We don't really understand that mechanism, but even the smell of fatty food doesn't sort of sit very well. People tend to go off roast meats, um, tend to make healthier choices. And one thing that many patients tell me is they're sort of quite liberated by the surgery. They don't have to constantly focus on food or avoiding food or worrying about it um, because they just don't feel so hungry and they eat less and they kind of get on with other things, really. Yes. And then what are some three sort of takeaway messages from this interview today about type 2 diabetes and looking at weight loss surgeries as a part of um, consideration for treatment long term? Uh, Well, I think it works for type 2 diabetes. That's one thing. It's absolutely um, confirmed with many long term studies that it's a good treatment for type 2 diabetes. Next thing is there are some risks. It needs to be individualised. There's risks and benefits. Generally, most people who are overweight have been battling it for a long time. Um, They're actually picking up risks for the future that are probably higher than the risks of surgery. So it's a good idea to consider surgery. And the other thing I would say is don't rush into it. Have a good look around. Get lots of opinions from different people. Um, Talk to your GP. Uh, maybe see a surgeon, and if you want a second opinion, see another one, and then come up with an informed decision. Yes, and that you've got in your practice lots of people that type two diabetics. They've come and seen you have weight loss surgery and had success, long term success from their diabetes remission from diabetes. Yeah, very much so actually. Um, and I think so. Just to reiterate, probably eighty to ninety percent of type two diabetics will be in remission. They won't be diabetic, say six months later. Sometimes before that. And that's very, very encouraging. I guess we don't know all the 10, 20-year data. There will definitely people with weight regain. But even if everybody were to put all their weight back on in 10 years' time, which is pretty unlikely, they're still going to get 10 years of weight control and 10 years of not being on their diabetic meds and 10, minutes, 10 years of not having diabetes, basically. So if the worst thing is weight regain, well, there are other operations they could have. Not that that's how we're thinking, but, mm. but in the, it, is a, it is an excellent option to consider, certainly, for patients. And I think what people don't often sometimes realise is that type 2 or diabetes impacts your eyesight. Yeah, it's so it many has organs. so many other complications. Basically, to almost it, every it? solid organ from your eyes to your liver to your, to your blood supply, the blood vessels, cardiac issues. Yeah, it just compounds everything, really. Kidney failure. So the fact that you can control a chronic disease by losing weight and, and not have to be so. Um, 
reliant on medications the rest of your life, but also put yourself at risk of getting these other complications yeah. of diabetes. Yes. It's, which are very real. <laughs> yes, your risks for the future are way less. The costs to you are probably way less too. You're on less medications which are expensive. I mean, the health economics are pretty well worked out. If you're a diabetic and you have one of these operations, you're probably, as a community or government, whoever's paying for it, you're probably saving money after a, after a year or so, just in terms of reduced number of medications that you'd need to take. Yeah. And there's a survival benefit. We think people are going to live longer too. Oh, is that what the yep. stats Yeah, that's shown? what the long-term study is. There was a trial in Sweden many years ago which compared best conservative treatment to, to bariatric surgery, or various types of bariatric surgery, and they showed good resolution of weight, good resolution of comorbidities over many years and then more recently we've seen that those patients who had surgery are actually living longer wow so which is which is obviously great news yeah absolutely and on that note thank you so much no for shedding you. some light on this topic right. great thanks a big thank you to dr armstrong for sharing his knowledge with us today on meditalk and to learn more about dr armstrong visit sjog.org.au if you feel this podcast episode can help a friend or a family member, please share, as sharing knowledge empowers our lives and the lives of others. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. To listen to more episodes of Meditalk, visit meditalk.com.au and if you have any medical conditions you would like to learn more about, please send me an email via danae at meditalk.com.au. Stay well and thank you for listening.